the use of renderings is my number one tool where they can visualize something before it's being built. It's everything for them. So I'm lucky. I am an artist at heart. You know, I'm able to sketch something for them. I'm able to envision something. But when they see it, yeah, it speaks for itself. Welcome to the Construction Disruption Podcast, where we uncover the future of building and remodeling. I'm Todd Miller of Isaiah Industries, manufacturer of specialty residential metal roofing and other building materials. And today my co-host is Seth Heckeman. So I was thinking about today, uh, we are recording this on the day that is, uh, would have been my dad's 86th uh, birthday. Um, and he passed away just not quite eight years ago. Um, so that's something as I think about that. And, and every year I kind of take this time either on his birthday or the date of his death, the anniversary of his death to think back on him. Of course, dad uh, was the founder of our company, the company that uh, I have spent my entire career in. And uh, we got to work side by side with each other for 30 years, which was a huge blessing. Um, but, you know, everyone knows that sometimes relationships between, I think, fathers and sons and mothers and daughters more so than the other way um, can can sometimes be a little interesting relationships, that's for sure. And, and certainly that was uh, the case uh, for my father and myself. And one of the things I was reflecting on, and th- this is, uh, I guess, deeply personal, but... Um, I've talked to other guys who have had the same experience. Um, For several months after my uh, father passed away, um, I had these intense dreams and even nightmares. Um, And I've talked to other guys who had very similar experiences after their dads passed away. But, you know, one of the things I'm really glad that I did, and I did this, uh, well, I I was honored to do a eulogy at my father's funeral. And so I had to do this right in the couple of days immediately after he passed away. But I wrote down uh, some memories of some of the good times with him and some of the good stuff. And uh, because you wouldn't read bad stuff at a eulogy probably. But anyway, so I wrote some of that down. And and actually, it's captured on the Isaiah Industries website. If you go to the About Us section and you go to the About Our Founder section, you'll find what I wrote. But um, I have found that really comforting over the years to be able to go back and look at that and uh, remember the good stuff in particular. And I know that that's part of my advice to anyone when they lose a parent, which is a painful thing. And I'm at the generation where that's kind of what we're all experiencing right now here in recent years. Um, but I always advise to them, you know, spend some little time capturing some of those good memories in writing so you've always got something to go back and, and take a look at down the road. So, um, Pops, um, I guess I will say tip of the hat to you today. Um, he was uh, he was an interesting guy, great guy, created a great legacy, um, left a lot of good memories. So, Tip of the hat to you here on what would have been your 86th birthday. So um, I think also in thinking about my dad, I have to do something that we do occasionally here on Construction Disruption. Share a couple of dad jokes. That's right. Okay. (laughs) So I will address these to Seth. Um, What happens when you cross a rabbit with a shellfish? No idea. You get the oyster bunny. (laughs) 
Okay. That's a good one. One more. We will continue with a nautical theme here. Um, what do you call a fish wearing a bow tie? Nope. I'm at a loss, too, on this one. Too. He is very sophisticated. Okay. <laughs> okay. Try to say that a few times fast. Anyway, okay. So, um, again, welcome here to Construction Disruption. Our goal here is to provide timely and forward-looking information regarding the construction world. Um, we're always looking for those things, those topics that will change the future of our industry. And that may be through some gradual evolution and change, or it could be through abrupt, mind-blowing disruption. But the things that are going to change our industry going forward, that's what we're always looking for and trying to bring to our audience. And to that end, we're constantly looking at new innovations as well as trends um, in practices, building materials, the labor market market, leadership. Um, today, we're delving into a world we haven't delved into a whole lot, and I'm excited about it. Um, we spend, Seth and I, most of our lives in kind of the, what we call the building envelope or the shell of the building, um, the outside of the building. Well, today, we're going to go inside the building, and um, rather than get stuck on the overall structure and that exterior, um, we're going to look at the inside, which really is the place that touches people. Um, That's the place where we live and work. And one of the things that we talk a lot about is we, over the years, have sold and marketed higher-end exteriors for buildings. As we often talk about, sometimes people are more apt to pay extra for the stuff that they touch and they feel and they, they live with each and every day inside rather than the things they just see from the outside. So I'm excited about our guest today. Our guest today to discuss building interiors is Tiffany Solomon of Tiffany Solomon Designs based in Boca Raton, Florida. Um, specializing in both construction, um, new construction homes and renovations, uh, Tiffany has more than 15 years of interior design experience. Her firm focuses on coming up with new and beautiful ways to create and recreate the favorite spots um, and also everything inside of our homes and our workplaces. And also they work with some retail buildings as well. Um, I know that they take a personal approach. They're determined to match building and uh, building interiors uh, specifically to meet the needs and uh, the desires of their occupants. Uh, Tiffany, welcome to Construction Disruption. I'm looking forward to learning from you today. Thank you. It's so nice to be here. Well, thank you again. So, um, Tiffany, you major, majored uh, at Concordia University in political science um, and also sociology. Um, I guess I can see how that sort of thing would have given you a great basis um, from which to understand people and know what might appeal to them and what, what might move them emotionally. Um, Tell us, I'm, I'm curious, what drove your interest uh, in interior design? Is, is this something that you had felt since childhood, that you, you loved things that were aesthetic and, and design, or, or what really drove that for you? Absolutely. Um, I, um, for me, I'm an artist at heart, so I always you know, delved into that, that path. Um, however, my family is uh, a real estate family, so I also grew up on construction sites. My grandfather developed buildings. Um, my mother took it over. My little brother works for them. I was 16 and I was designing offices and 
doctor's offices. And so, you know, I, I kind of grew up in the field, but I also always really loved it. I think it's just very instinctual for me. And um, when I decided to go to university, I was going to decide, I was thinking of something that I knew very little about. I'd always known art. I'd always known design. I'd always known construction. So I figured it was my opportunity to learn something different. <laughs> so I did that and then went right back um, and moved down here to Florida permanently, which I, I grew up in Miami Beach and Montreal. So once I made that move, it was full force into real estate and developing and construction and interior design. Wow. And that's interesting because one of the things that we've had several past guests bring up is they have talked about giving advice to to younger people in their careers is you got to find that thing that you're passionate about and that thing that moves you emotionally and, and personally. And and so that's fantastic. Neat that you uh, delved into something else, got that experience behind you that kind of makes us that whole person we are. And yet went right back to where your patients were. That's great. So I'm curious, what does the process look like once a prospective client comes to you? Um, what sort of things do you dig into uh, to gain the knowledge and the insight into them that will allow you to put together designs that, that will nur- nurture them and, and comfort them and be, be comfortable for them? I think it's really mostly about connecting with your clients. That's the basis for everything. It's really hearing about how they live, what they're looking for. It's also more of a spiritual practice for me too, in a way, in that I love to feel the energy. I love to understand their situation. Um, I think it's much more than just a home. So it's really their lifestyle that I have to get to know. I have to connect with them on a deep level um, so that I can hear what their needs really are what they like, what they don't like. Um, you know, it's, so it's simply about, you know, first connecting with them. So I love to spend as much time as possible with them. Uh, whether I have many clients now moving from New York, so it's, it's not usually face to face until they're down here, but, um, I'll set up zoom calls. I will talk with them over the phone numerous times before I even decide if it's a project that I feel that will that I can take on that's going to make them happy or I just really I just want to feel out the situation and then once I make the decision to go through with it and they've decided that you know it's a good fit um I will come up with a proposal for them more of a more of a structured way about going it I will explain to them their process I'll explain to them the industry I'll explain to them what's going on in the industry um I like to be very upfront I like to be very truthful. I work mostly on word of mouth. So for me, making them happy is my ultimate goal. So I find that if I'm truthful with them from the beginning, it leads to just a beautiful process. So, you know, educating them on, you know, disruptions (laughs) is very important. Um, And uh, then I'll take them through a step-by-step, you know, there's different design phases. There's the development to save phase, there's the creative phase, there's the implementation. Um, I'll, sometimes depends on how detailed oriented they are. I have clients who really, really want to be part of it and some who just let me run with it. So it just depends on the clients. And uh, I do a lot of shared albums with them, a lot of shared files with them. Um, I work a lot with software. So from then on, I feel like we can just really communicate on a design level. 
Wow. A couple of things you said in there. I, I mean, I loved everything, but a couple of things really resonated with me. And one was uh, where you said, when it works right, it's just a beautiful process. And I think that any of us who have been in that consumer seat have had those relationships, especially in the service industry, that really have resolved in that beautiful process. And we've had some that haven't gone that way. And so um, we know the difference. So I really respect that, that that's what you're striving for and you do it by connecting with your clients. Uh, that's something we have heard a lot from architects we've interviewed and uh, even to general contractors, building contractors is so much of it is about finding out uh, the real needs and, and dreams of that client. So a lot of what you do is, you know, you help pull out of your clients, I'm sure, and then inspire them, help them dream and help them see things in their hearts and their eyes and their minds. Um, but curious, where, where do you get your inspiration from other than just the things that they're kind of feeding to you? Um, where do you go to tap into trends and creative ideas and your own creativity? I, I, I absolutely love this question. For me, though, it's natural. I feel like it's just instinctual. And most of the time, it falls into my lap. It's the weirdest, most bizarre thing. But then again, it's not so surprising. Um, you know, I don't believe much in coincidences. So when I see something, I know I like it or I know I don't. I know I can have if I can adapt it, how I can maneuver it. Sometimes I'll just be outside and something will pop up or a color or a vision or it's, it's just a natural process for me. Um, especially when I walk into the actual space, it's like I have these ideas that just flood into my head. And I think that comes also from years of experience and seeing what's out there, knowing the materials to use, um, so I think it's just a combination of everything. But for me, I would say the biggest thing that I rely on is my instinct. It has not served me wrong yet. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it continues to be to be that way. But you know, I, I love being outdoors. I love just feeling what that space is going to feel like. Wow, that's awesome. And again, I could see where that's going to lead to a really neat experience for your clients as well. Are, are there any particular trends you're hearing about from your clients these days or things that they're telling you, oh, Tiffany, um, do what you want, but I've got to have this or, or this is what I really want, um, things they can't live without? Are there any things like that that you're hearing from folks? You know, I think um, mostly people really do want to integrate technology, the use of smart homes. I think people really love the idea, especially down here in Florida, of the outdoor, indoor living concept, which I absolutely love. I feel like it is such an important part of life to just be outside and inside. So whatever I can do to make that those spaces more cohesive and flow, um, I think that my clients are very receptive to that. Uh, open spaces is something they talk about all the time, you know, open floor plans. It used to be in Florida, here we'd have houses with formal living areas. And then only up until recently, our new new construction developers kind of integrating the use of a large kitchen with a family room and omitting the formal living room. Um, there's so many times I've seen, seen where, you know, it's just, it's a beautiful space, the formal living room, but is it really getting used? Um, now, you know, people are getting wind of that. And I see more and more that people don't want that. 
they want just an open space, uh, a flow to their home. You can divide the space without the use of walls. So, you know, those are the things that my clients are very, very interested in at this point. I like that where you said you can divide a space without the use of walls. And uh, my wife and I live in a uh, home that was built in the late 70s. So it was very traditional living room, family room, formal dining room, kitchen. And over the years, we've done a number of remodeling projects. And part of those has been to open up and create bigger spaces. Um, we still have this living room that never we never go into. Our, our dining room got changed into sort of a coffee room, which is kind of a neat um, personal space for us because we were like, we're never going to have formal dining meals or anything like that. Our our family room has a neat dining area in it. So anyway, I certainly can resonate to with that. Um, you know, these these trends and changes you've seen take place over the years. Um, are any other ones that you can relate to us that you've seen? And I'm I'm kind of curious. Do you see some of these changes be? gradual or more overnight type changes? I guess the removal of walls is almost pretty overnight. I'm just, tell us a little bit more about those trends and changes you've seen. You know, it's interesting speaking of those removal of walls. Um, for a long time, I couldn't understand why developers or builders were still building these homes with these formal rooms. Um, but then all of a sudden it just switched. So those are things that just, that just switched. But then there's other things that take more time. Um, you know, if you want to talk about technology and the use of technology, um, that's making things change exponentially. Um, you know, it used to be when I first graduated, uh, from design school, I worked for the top retail design firm in the country and that was 2007 (laughs) and then 2008 hit, (laughs) but you know, I was doing projects in Las Vegas, I was doing Christian Lacroix. I was doing federated department stores, that Macy's, Bloomingdale's, all kinds of great stores. And the firm that I had worked for was around for 50 years. They were the top. They waited three months for me to graduate. This is where I wanted to work. And I came in and their use of technology was a little bit outdated. And slowly we would adapt. So in terms of the process, I feel like it was slow to adapt. But now that when you see things in the house, it's, it's quick to adapt. The point being that, you know, I do now my renderings on the computer. Um, CAD has evolved significantly. Uh, we have SketchUp. We have the ability to bring out many different designs very quickly or a lot quicker than it used to be when I used to have to hand sketch them, you know, and then paint them. And then now, you know, there's programs I can watercolor on, on the internet. I can, you know, there's vast amounts of resources available. There's even programs where you don't have to learn CAD. You know, you have you have kitchen designers using programs that take five seconds to learn. So it, it's quite it's quite interesting. Um, but yes, I do think that other things are taking place a lot quicker. I think the social media has really, really, really enabled people to be really part of the process. So they want what they see and that's instantaneously. So let's say organization. Now you have TikTok. If you search organization on TikTok, you are overloaded with a tremendous amount of information. And now, you know, you can organize everything. So that's, that's what I'm seeing a lot of now, this huge organization trend. 
um, which is kind of interesting. I, I actually enjoy it because I do believe there should be systems in place in everybody's house. But, you know, that out of the blue just popped up. So it's kind of cool to see. It's never a dull moment. Things happen very slowly for certain things and other things, they just arrive. <laughs> so on the organization, you're you're talking about, you know, designing so that I kind of go back to the thing we used to say when I was little, everything has a place and everything in its place and it all supports life. Is that kind of what, what you're talking about? Absolutely. Um, you see these companies um, creating, well, I mean, the whole container store is, is based on, you know, organization and things used to be in a pantry, in boxes. Now everything my clients love when they're displayed or they're in clear cabinets or they're in clear, you know, bins and everything is strategically aesthetically pleasing so you know it's 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 definitely interesting um is it livable yes and no <laughs> you know you see, <laughs> so you know there, there you see a picture of something you're like i want that i'm like okay but that's going to take maintenance <laughs> so you know it just depends but yeah like you know um i find for me when i design i like to hide everything i don't love stuff everywhere i'm very clean I'm also very big into feng shui. So clutter is just chaos. Um, so I like to hide things. I like things when they're organized. Um, so I'm happy with this trend that's blowing up. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it just one day, there it was. A few years ago, my wife and I did a kitchen remodel. And I remember the kitchen designer was kind of pitching us on, oh, you ought to have a couple glass door cabinets. And my wife was like, yeah, my stuff in there will look nice for about two weeks. And then I'm going to be really upset that everyone could see it. So I I could certainly relate. Exactly. <laughs> but there are ways of maneuvering it. But yes, absolutely. <laughs> so you talked about... Um, Outdoor living. And I, I'm just curious, are you seeing any of this trend? I see it every once in a while on HGTV and some of the design magazines of the movable exterior glass walls. Um, are you seeing interest in those right now? Um, it depends. It depends on the project. Um, down here in Florida, most of my clients are building with developers. They're not doing custom homes because there isn't very much Unless they're rebuilding, um, those are very few. They're they're not really they're building with developers, and they are pretty much their hands are tied when it comes to the types of windows and the types of doors that they're using. Um, but in other projects where I get to do renovations and new windows, absolutely, I love bringing the inside out. Um, even in my home, I have windows that stack that pocket so that you can just completely open it up into a courtyard. Um, it's just the way for me, but that's just my connection to nature and outside. And I want my clients to experience that. I want them to know that. So whenever there is an opportunity, yes, absolutely. Good stuff. Yeah. They're absolutely beautiful and, and striking. Yeah. Uh, I keep, I keep going back to things my wife and I have done because it's, it's, it's fun. It excites me, but, um, we had had a structure is the brand name pergola, uh, put uh, on the back of our home, which is a motorized uh, all aluminum system with the motorized louvers up on the roof. And uh, that's such a, a neat thing as far as being able to go outside and know that if it starts raining, that'll just automatically close up and we're still outside and all that cool stuff. So, Especially with the use of the outdoor kitchen, speaking of outdoor indoor living, I'm seeing so many outdoor kitchens. Before, you know, you'd see one here, one there. 
many of the people buying with builders wouldn't, you know, be interested in spending the money in it. Now it's almost a given. So that's also very, very nice. You know, it's kind of funny when I, I look at the outdoor kitchens. Um, when I grew up, my family had a farmhouse and, you know, they had what they called a summer kitchen. So they would cook in this exterior building during the summer because they didn't want to cook inside the house where it just made everything hot. And uh, here we are kind of going back to that. So cool stuff. Um, you talked a little bit about uh, design and using uh, design to show renderings. Um, is there still a real wow factor for your clients when they see those renderings? There absolutely is. Um, I think that bringing a space to life is is everything. That's the magic in what I do. That's, I think, the part of the process that I like the most. But we're also talking about a substantial amount of money for a lot of my clients. So the use of renderings, it's just to ease their anxieties. That's the way I look at it. I'm a problem solver, problem mitigator, problem expertise. <laughs> and my clients, you know, I want to provide them with the most amount of trust and the most amount of faith that I can handle whatever comes along the way. But the use of renderings is my number one tool where they can visualize something before it's being built, it's everything for them. Um, so I'm lucky. I am an artist at heart. You know, I'm able to sketch something for them. Um, I'm, I'm able to envision something. Uh, but when they see it, yeah, it speaks for itself. You mentioned being a problem solver. Um, I'm just curious, have you ever been faced with a project? Maybe it was... Uh, design, maybe it was new construction or maybe it was remodeling, um, but you saw something in the structure itself and you thought, oh no, what in the world am I going to do with that? Or what was that architect thinking? Um, just curious, you ever run into that and any, any ways you solved that particular problem or something that really sticks out in your mind is that was the one that, oh my goodness, didn't know what I was going to do and we've, we solved that problem. Yes. Actually, those are my favorite projects. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I mean, I really have to say I learned from some amazing people, you know, I really seeing them and their aspects, I was able to pick and choose what I wanted to take with me in my journey. Um, and one of the most important things I ever learned is there's nothing that you can not solve and everything is possible. And I also learned that sometimes when you have your most awkward, ugly, horrible beam in the middle of a room, or you have something that just doesn't flow, you want to bring attention to it. You want to actually turn it into the positive. You want to make it into something really cool where somebody will say, you, you know, if you try to hide it, like there's only so much you can do. But if you make it into something else completely different and you're like, whoa, that's really cool, um, you have an opportunity there. And that I find exciting. So no, I haven't really come into a situation where I'm like, oh, no, not again. I'm like, hmm, what can I do with this? This is going to be fun. So, so turn those negatives into opportunities to make something fun or exciting or unique. Absolutely. That's the nature of the business. That's a great approach. You said everything is possible. You can, can it always really make is. it happen. You just have to have persistence. <laughs> persistence, you know, positive attitude, 
yeah, it's, it's, yeah, anything is possible. Are there any techniques or let's say on a new construction, a new build, um, any suggestions or ideas or techniques for making sure that a positive and productive relationship exists between the architect, the property owner, all the the GC, all the sub-trades, and the interior designer? Um, any things you like to see being done to help facilitate that relationship? I'm so glad you brought that up. <laughs> you know, there's so much behind the scenes that goes on in a project um, that the clients aren't privy to. So um, my relationships with the people that I work with are longstanding. So I know how they move. I know, you know, we've, we've had years of, of figuring things out. Um, I think the most important thing is really just communication and trust. You know, I know when I put somebody on the job, they're going to do their best. You know, it's so easy. And so often you see people throwing each other under the bus. Um, well, it's this person's fault. Oh, well, the architect didn't get me this in time and I need to do this and this material. And, you know, the contractor, you know, I don't really enjoy that game. I don't play that game. Um, you know, for me, it's trust that my, my clients have trust in me and that the people that I'm working with have trust in me and that everybody comes to the table doing their best. Sometimes it happens and odd times it doesn't, (laughs) but I do think that honesty and communication is everything. Man, I, I agree with you. That means so much. And I I will often see relationships um, related to construction go really south when people do hit that point of where that communication just has been completely lost and it all comes down to finger pointing and negativity. And, and you know, one of the things I'll often have to remind people when I find them in that situation is, look, you can argue all you want, but at the end of the day, here's the problem we have to solve and nothing happens good going forward until we solve that problem and getting people to refocus on that and come back together is the ideal thing. Yeah, I could not agree more. So I'm curious if we had anyone out there in our audience um, who may be uh, entering interior design as a career choice, um, any particular advice you have for them if for their career path or maybe even things or people they should be paying attention to? Oh, so much. <laughs> so much. Good. If I only knew then what I know now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. I mean, you can learn in school. You can have a natural eye. But once you get into the field, that's where the real learning begins. You're going to learn most from your mistakes. You're going to learn most from other people's mistakes. And choose wisely who you work for. There's a choice in everything. I learned from some amazing people. It didn't come with a high, without a high price, okay? I mean, I worked and worked and worked, but I knew that eventually it was going to take me to the place I wanted to go. Um, so my advice to people getting into this field is really choose wisely, gain as much experience as you can, you know, and, and then to turn some of the negatives into a positive is another huge aspect. I was graduating, you know, and 2008 hit and it was a huge, huge, um, you know, hit, but I stuck with it and, you know, I made it through and I worked really hard and I did my best and I kept my side of the street clean and I forged through it. And we went from a company that was 120 employees to 20, but I wrote it out. And then I saw a new, a new opportunity that people from Florida, you know, working with GL Homes people were moving to Florida. So the housing, even there was a housing bust, 
There was also a building boom out west here in, in Delray and Boca. So find the opportunities, go with it, use your instincts, uh, follow your heart, but just don't be scared to work. That's neat. And so it, it sounds like um, you generally would suggest a career path. You know, you come out of school, be selective, but go out and, and work for someone else for a while. And, you know, maybe you fit there and always stay there, but, you know, maybe you eventually break off on your own. Absolutely. That's exactly what happened to me. Um, I was working, you know, I, I saw the retail design firm and then I saw the opportunity and I took the leap of faith. And, you know, 15 years later, I still have my company and I have nothing but amazing clients. I go solely on word of mouth. So I know I do my best. Some people I can't make happy. Some people I can, you know, but I know every project has been the right project for me and that I'm most grateful for. What was that transition like for you? Um, You know, one of the things that I often look at a lot of careers and we've talked to architects about this and, you know, they'll say, okay, when I was in college or maybe it was technical school, they trained me to do the thing, but they didn't train me to run a business or to own a business. What was that transition like for you? A lot of work, but in all fairness, I got lucky in the sense that I got to watch my family build a very successful business. My mother is through and through a businesswoman. I have learned so much from her. Um, She has guided me along the way until I said, okay, stop guiding me. (laughs) I got this. (laughs) I need to learn on my own. (laughs) But, you know, she has, uh, I I just grew up in a very business-oriented family. My grandfather came after World War II with not a penny in his pocket and built a huge real estate empire. So, I was lucky to be part of that and just grow up in that environment of family business where we would sit around the table and talk business. So I was lucky in that. However, when it actually came to do being the accountant, being the receptionist, being the manager, being the talent, <laughs> that one kind of throws you for a loop. And you just forge through little by little, step by step, you keep growing. Good advice. Well, this has been great. Um, really have enjoyed our time together. We're, we're getting close to the end of our time, and I want to thank you again. Um, before we close out, and we'll have a couple other questions after this, but I want to ask you if you're willing to participate in our rapid-fire questions. So these are seven questions, um, sometimes serious, sometimes can be a little silly. Um, all you got to do is give a quick answer, and our audience needs to understand. Tiffany has no idea what we're going to ask. Um, so what is it? Are you up to the challenge of rapid-fire? For sure. Bring it on. <laughs> well, uh, Seth and I will kind of alternate questions here. I'll, I'll, I will start and then we'll alternate. So um, this one's pretty serious. I'm just curious. What is your favorite place to be in the interior of your own home? And why is that your favorite place? My backyard. It's exceptional. <laughs> it's where I really put a lot of love and energy it's also where I take my girls and we do garden and get out there and just, we're so lucky we live in Florida. It's so beautiful out almost every day. Um, so for me, it's the swimming pool. It's the, the outdoors. I've just made it into a beautiful, safe, fun, beautiful place. Awesome. Very cool. Second question. What is your least favorite color? Oh, that is a 
good question read. That was a quick answer. So what is then your, uh, if we can add an eighth question, what is your favorite color then? Pink. Oh, like light red, as I would uh, say. Yeah, but... Isn't that interesting? <laughs> yeah. Isn't that interesting? Cool stuff. <laughs> Two extremes. Okay. <laughs> so what is your favorite animal print, like zebra or giraffe or cow? <laughs> or cow. <laughs> um, well, it could be whatever you like. I'm just throwing out examples. It's a funny question. I um, I actually really don't like animal print. <laughs> I find it a little dated. You know, it comes in and it goes out. It comes in. I'm more of a neutral. If, you're gonna, if I'm going to put a hide in a house, it's going to be a neutral. It's not going to have any kind of animal prints on it. Awesome. Well, perfect answer. <laughs> if you could snap your fingers and do anything to change the world, what would it be? I think I, I think there's two to that. I think I think there would be two answers. So I'm going to steal it. I'm going to take two wishes <laughs> instead of one. That's great. <laughs> the first one would be environment. Um, you know, especially being working with builders and working in you know land development. Uh, I've worked extensively with developers. So you know, seeing for example around here in Florida, us starting to build into the agricultural reserve and certain things like that. You know is really just being very, very aware of conscious building and environmentally sustainable building. I think that would be my top priority, Um, you know, the focus on the environment. And um, the second thing I would do is, I guess, like, in a way, I would wish that, that, you know, kids would grow up with more, with more love and more, you know, a, a solid school system and an education where that they can like reach their dreams. I see um, in this country a tremendous lack of value in the arts, especially in the public school system. Now, especially after COVID, um, you know, where their hands are really tied, you know, but these kids are in school all day long. Uh, there's no creative outlet for them anymore as much, or as nearly enough of a creative outlet. Um, I feel like self-expression, love, all those kind of emotions are being neglected. So I think I would that would be my second wish, to see more of that. Those are beautiful answers. And, and I knew when I wrote that question, I thought, oh my goodness, I don't know how I'd answer this. This is a <laughs> tough one. Um, beautiful answers. Thank you. So what do you like most um, about your line of work? I love the process. I love building something. Like I'd mentioned, um, that to me is magic. So being able to collaborate with somebody and build something for them on an energetic level is so satisfying for me. Um, You know, building their home or redesigning their home. But being able to take the client along the process and have them have trust in my abilities and my, you know, my designs or, you know, working with them, that's, that's really everything for me. What is the time of day that you're most productive? The morning, for sure. I'm right there with you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm worn <laughs> out by the end of the day. <laughs> okay, final rapid fire question, even though we snuck a couple extras in there, which was cool. Uh, do you have a favorite movie? I do, actually. It's Love, Actually. I watched it last night and I forgot about how much I love this movie. <laughs> That's one of my favorites. I don't know if I've ever seen that. I remember it, but I don't know if I've ever seen that. One of my wife's favorites. Oh, I love it. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> well, again, Tiffany, thank you so much. Um, 
been a real pleasure to visit with you today and learn from you today. Is is there anything we haven't covered today that you'd like to to cover or share with our audience? You know, I think I think you know when you brought this to my attention and disruptions in the um, you know in, in in the field and what was going on. The only thing that I would probably add to this discussion is that everything has been affected. You know, timing of projects, timing timing of getting materials. The availability of new materials, it used to be, you know, you can always see reps with new lines of stuff and really creative, fun, beautiful, new, new things, you know, so it's just kind of, I think I would just add, you know, that anybody who is entering into either building a home or redesigning a home, that they be very aware of the timing of projects. It used to be, you know, we'd get a deadline and We'd work to get to that deadline. Now things are so beyond our control where, you know, the timing of the project really is what it's going to be. Yeah, we're living that in our world as well. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's good advice. Um, so, Tiffany, if folks wanted to get in touch with you, uh, what is the way, best way for them to do that? I do. I have a, a website. They can do that or I'm on Instagram, TiffanySolomonDesigns.com. My Instagram, you can follow the link through there. Great. TiffanySolomonDesigns.com. And I've been on there. It's beautiful. It's inspiring. Um, love your website. Good stuff. Thanks. Well, thank you again, Tiffany. And thank you, audience, for tuning into this episode of Construction Disruption with Tiffany Solomon of Tiffany Solomon Designs based in Boca Raton, Florida. We encourage you, please watch for future episodes of our podcast. We have more great guests coming up. And don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or YouTube. Um, Until the next time, though, I encourage everyone, change the world for someone. uh, Make them smile, encourage them, bring them hope, powerful things that we can do to change the world one interaction at a time. In the meanwhile, God bless, take care. This is Isaiah Industries signing off. Until the next episode of Construction Disruption.